0: Father in heaven, we thank you that we can study from your word. We pray now that you would bless us as we study Revelation 15 and into chapter 16. May we have a better understanding of your purpose in the finishing of the great controversy. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we finished up chapter 14 and the harvest— and we got through about half of chapter 15. And chapter 15 is a very short chapter. It's only eight verses. We had time to get through about the first four verses. And what you see in the first four verses, just a brief review, we see at the very beginning of chapter 15 that there's a discussion about the seven last plagues. So now the seven last plagues come onto the scene, after we've had the three angels' messages, 144,000, and the great harvest, then we see the seven last plagues. And then as you look at the sequence here, we shift from verse 1, seven last plagues, to the 144,000 standing on the sea of glass. And then we go back at the end of the chapter, verse 8, um, to the seven last plagues, just about being poured out. And then chapter 16 is the seven last plagues being poured out. Now, just for those of you listening on Audioverse or those of you studying here, chapter 15 is not in chronological order. I've heard some people say that it is. But chapter 15 verses 2 through 4 jump ahead to the time where the 144,000 are standing on the sea of glass. That's after we've left earth, we've gone to heaven, and the righteous 144,000 are standing on the sea of glass, singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Then you come back to the end of the chapter, and we're going back to the seven last plagues, which are poured out before the second coming. So that just helps you to understand the chronology of of chapter 15. And we're going to look at verses 5 through 8, and then go to chapter 16. But again, here's the structure that we're looking at, in verse 1, we see that the seven last plagues are about to, pe- about to be poured out, and the question would be, why would God be able to pour out His seven last plagues? And if, when you study the seven last plagues, you see that it's poured out on the beast who persecuted God's people. And the answer is, is that here's a group of people, the 144,000 who got the victory over the beast, the image, and the number of His name and His mark. Those are the people who give God the justification to pour out the seven last plagues. And the seven last plagues we will study out further here. So, we see verses 1 through 4. We see the 144,000 standing on the sea of glass, singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb. We discussed the, the meaning of that last week. And now we're going to get into some very interesting things in chapter 15. All of it's interesting, but this is very fascinating to me. Starting in verse 5. Actually, I'd li- like a volunteer to read Revelation 15 verses 5 through 8. Revelation 15 verses 5 through 8. Um, Carlos.
1: Revelation 5 verse 15 through 8. And after that, I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And then seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, and having their their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials, full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled.
0: Okay, so here's some significant, sig- significant parts of the great controversy struggle that we're seeing, and we're going to get into this now. Notice verse 5. So after John sees the 144,000, then he sees, now we're, now we're going to jump back in time. We were in heaven on the sea of glass. Now we're going to come back in time to before the second coming because we see that the seven last plagues are about to be poured out. Clearly the seven last plagues are before the second coming. So we're in a transition starting in verse 5. So what happens here? So John looks and beholds, and what does he see? He sees that, or yes. Um, the temple of God opened in heaven. He sees the testimony in heaven opened. Okay. So repeat that um, on the microphone there.
2: He sees the temple of God opened in heaven. Okay. This is uh, looking at the same scene of Revelation eleven nineteen. Right. The same okay. scene.
0: Right. So what you have here, um, if you remember, now, in Revelation eleven nineteen. <clears throat> This is the, the time of the sounding of the seventh trumpet where the temple of God is open in heaven and there was seen the Ark of His Testament. Here we see again the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. So <clears throat> this is a transition point in the sanctuary ministry in heaven. Revelation eleven nineteen 19 is the transition from the holy place to the most holy place. Now you see the Ark of the Testament, and that's October 22, 1844. The seventh trumpet begins to sound. Now here we are. The seven last plagues are about to be poured out, and we see the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven is opened again. And... Whereas last time we see the Ark of the Testament, this time we see the seven last plagues. So what does that tell you about the ministry of Christ as our high priest in the heavenly sanctuary? Last time, when the temple of God was open in heaven, you see the Ark of the Testament. The next time it mentions that the temple of God is open in heaven, you see the seven angels having the seven last plagues. So what do you see happening here? What's the progression in the, in the sanctuary ministry? We have a, some comments
1: over here. It, it seems as though um, in, the first, um, in the first phase, Christ is, is going from the holy place to the most holy place. And in the last place, uh, or in the last phase, it, it looks like, or before the, the seven uh, uh, plagues, that, that Christ has put down and set his censer and said, it is finished.
0: Okay, very good. So, as Carlos stated, in Revelation eleven nineteen, when you see the Ark of the Testament, it suggests that now Christ is moving into the Most Holy Place to begin his work of ministration in the Most Holy Place. Now when you see the temple of God open in heaven and the seven last plagues are about to be poured out, if the seven last plagues are be about to be poured out, then the work of Christ in a mediatorial role is, is coming to an end. Or it has come to an end. It, it is completed. Now, there's some interesting things here. So the temple of God, or the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven is open. Now we see seven angels, in verse 6, they came out of the temple having the seven plagues clothed in white linen, having their breasts girded with golden girdles. Verse 7, and one of the beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. So, let's think about this here. So, the seven angels have, this, in, with, within seven vials, the the wrath of God. And it says, full of the wrath of God. So, the seven last plagues are a direct judgment of God. It's not God withdrawing. It's not God stepping back. He is directly intervening. Um, in this act of the seven last plagues being poured out. Um, and there sometimes there's a debate about, well, does God destroy directly, or does He just withdraw Himself and allow the devil to do it? Um, I don't have the quote with me today. I believe it's Great Controversy, page 668, where Ellen White tells us that sometimes God indeed does withdraw and allow Satan to do the work of destruction, but other times He actively is part of the... Of pouring out his wrath, so it 's a straw man argument to s- to try to say it 's either or it's he can do all of the above however he wants to, because he 's God um, but i 'm getting a little sidetracked. What I want to do now is look at let 's look at the timeline in the book of revelation, <clears throat> and this will help us to understand where god 's people fit in, where the wicked fit in and and what God's work is at this time. So, we see that we have a a shift from Christ doing His work of intercession to now the the seven last plagues about to be poured out. So, if the seven last plagues are about to be poured out, what does that tell us about the close of probation? That would suggest then that we have reached the close of probation— and not just for God's church, um, we've studied earlier that, you know, judgment begins at the house of God, so when the latter rain begins to be poured out and, and the Sunday law is passed and you have the early time of trouble, by then Seventh-day Adventists have already reached their close of probation. We've already s- decided one way or the other. But when Michael stands up, when there's the universal death decree, so to speak, then that's it for the whole world. And Michael does not stand up until it's the close of probation for the whole world. Or Revelation twenty doesn't happen until close of probation for the whole world, where it says, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And that's where we are now. So the thing I wanted to point out is what happens to God's people? What is the experience of the 144,000 when probation closes or when the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven is open, and now the seven angels have the seven vials of the seven last plagues. What is the experience of God's people during the time when probation is closed and the seven last plagues begin to be poured out? What do we know that time period as? Right, it's the time of Jacob's trouble. So, this helps you then to understand why... Earlier in chapter 15, the 144,000 are mentioned as standing on the sea of glass. They're given special mention in chapter 15 because they live through the time of the seven last plagues. And they were the ones who got the victory over the beast, over his mark, and over the number of his name. And it was because they had that experience that God could pour out the seven last plagues. But while the seven last plagues are poured out, they go through a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. And so they get special mention in Revelation 15 as a group of people standing on the sea of glass, having the victory over the beast, over his mark, and over the number of his name. So that's why it's not just random that you have the 144,000 in chapter 15. They are there, and because God has a group of people that are like that, he can shift the phase of his ministry from most holy place, to seven last plagues. So when he has this 144,000, we shift from the most holy place ministry of Christ to where now the seven angels are about to pour out the seven last plagues. Now, here in verse 8, verse 8 is one of the most fascinating verses to me in chapter 15. And we already read it, but I'll read it again. Notice this. It says, And the temple was filled... "...with smoke from the glory of God and from His power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled." So now we're, we're talking about the temple of God again. And <clears throat> notice um, what happens to the temple. So what happens to the temple of God during this time? Okay, so the temple of God is filled with smoke, and what does the smoke represent? It says here in chapter 15, verse 8, what does the smoke represent in the temple? It, has to do with the glory of God. it says the glory of God. So what is filling up the temple of God while the seven last plagues are being poured out? The glory, the glory of God. So, if the glory of God is filling the temple, here, here's perhaps a rhetorical question, but, um, you know, God is in heaven now. Jesus is in the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary now. So, why is not smoke of the glory of the Lord filling the temple of God now? Because God is perfect. Jesus was sinless here on this earth. So, if He's in heaven and glory represents His character and He's perfect, why isn't the smoke of the glory of the Lord filling the temple now as opposed to sometime in the future after the close of probation? So, here's the key point. What has happened in the temple of God? We have a comment down here.
2: We no longer have a mediator.
0: Right, we have no longer have a mediator. So, um, so try to the, speak the part so about
2: no man.
0: The you know, I'm not trying to connect it, but the no man being able to enter, I think, has to do. It mm-hmm. seems like that would have to do with there not being a mediator. Okay. And so, but how to connect that with the smoke. Yeah, that's jumping to one, the next I'm not point. Sure. Yeah, I'm not trying to connect but, the two. But that's a good point. But here's, here's the point. Um, the reason why the temple is filled with smoke from the glory of the Lord is because the sanctuary has been completely cleansed. Sure. Remember Daniel 8, 14, under 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed the sanctuary will be fully cleansed when the sins of God's people are blotted out. And when are they blotted out? They're blotted out at the end of the investigative judgment. As Christ finishes His work in the most holy place, He stands up, and then the seven last plagues begin to be poured out. So what this is telling us is, temple is filled with smoke from the glory of the Lord— Christ's mediatorial work is finished because the sanctuary has been cleansed. Or in other words, the 144,000 are ready now to go through the time of the seven last plagues or the time of Jacob's trouble. So that's what chapter 15 is telling us. So the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of the Lord and from His power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels, were fulfilled. Now, this, I'll just throw this out there. This is an interesting thought. It says, if no man is able to enter, Jesus Christ, of course, is God, but He's also, He retains His humanity. Is that not correct? And to say no man could enter, well, you could say, well, that could mean Moses and Elijah, because they're human beings in heaven. We know they're there. But, I mean, obviously human beings are still here on this earth going through the time of jacob's trouble while the seven last plagues are being fulfilled so it doesn't really have relevance to say well the people here on earth can't go into the temple in heaven till the seven last plagues are fulfilled because we're not there anyway so what this is suggesting is jesus is our high priest he was also a man and he can be our high priest because he was fully man he's not able to enter into the temple until the seven last plagues are fulfilled, which tells us that Jesus has come out of the most holy place. And what does the high priest do on the Day of Atonement after he comes out of the most holy place? He, he places his hands on the head of the scapegoat. Remember that? And so the high priest comes out of the temple, places his hands on the scapegoat, and he is transferring the sins of God's people that have been blotted out onto the scapegoat. And that's representative of Satan. And we know that happened in the Old Testament, but that was typifying what would happen here in Revelation 15. Because there's going to come a time when, yes, Jesus died for our sins, he bears our sins, and our sins are blotted out with his blood, but just because our sins are blotted out doesn't mean that Satan doesn't receive punishment for the sins that he had God's people commit. So any sins that God's people committed that are forgiven and are blotted out are ultimately transferred to Satan at the end of the Day of Atonement after Jesus, as our high priest, comes out of the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. So now Satan is bearing so to speak or he's receiving the the penalty for the sins he got us to commit which Jesus blotted out with his blood so you can see then why satan wants to get rid of as many people as possible because the more people that are saved the more sins gets thrown onto to his chest at the end of the day of atonement and so he doesn't want that so <clears throat> what happens and actually I'll just point out that in 1 Kings chapter 8, um, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but 1 Kings chapter 8 is talking about the dedication of Solomon's temple. And I'll just give you the reference. 1 Kings chapter 8, um, verses basically verses 9 through 12, where you see that as the priest came out of the holy place, the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. So that's just another example of when the, the temple was dedicated, the, the glory of the Lord filled it. And here in Revelation 15, as the sanctuary is cleansed, the glory of the Lord fills the temple. Now, here's the point, the key point that I want to make before we move on to the seven last plagues. <clears throat> what happens after the sins of God's people are placed on the head of the scapegoat by the high priest. What was the next thing to happen in the sequence of events? Okay, so the goat, I'll just repeat the comment, the goat was led into the wilderness by a fit man. You can read that in Leviticus 16. So a fit man leads the scapegoat into the land of forgetfulness. Now, was the fit man the same as the high priest? No, they were different. So, who's the high priest representative of? It's representative of Christ. So, then the fit man, at the end of the Day of Atonement, that leads the scapegoat into the land of forgetfulness, cannot be Christ. Does that make sense? Jesus is the high priest. He places the sins on the head of the scapegoat. The scapegoat is led into the land of forgetfulness by a fit man who is someone other than Christ. Now, let's put your thinking caps on, and it's perhaps not that difficult of a question. Based on Revelation chapter 15, who is the fit man? One of the the (laughs) 144,000. Okay, so the fit man that leads the scapegoat into the land of forgetfulness is the 144,000. So, the fit man is representative of the 144,000. And you see that here in Revelation 15. Let me read to you a quote by Ellen White. This is found in Spalding and McGann Collection, page 2. And this gives us an idea of... The work of the fit man during the seven last plagues. So, this is page two of Spaldingham again collection. Here we read um, Then I saw that Jesus' work in the sanctuary will soon be finished. That's what we're studying about here in Revelation 15. Jesus' work in the sanctuary about to be finished. After his work there is finished, he will come to the door of the first apartment and confess the sins of Israel upon the head of the scapegoat. Okay? So we've talked about this already. So now Jesus as our high priest, comes to the door of the first apartment, places the sins of God's people on the head of the scapegoat. Then he will put on the garments of vengeance. And then notice this. Then the plagues will come upon the wicked. So now after Jesus puts his hand, or he transfers the sins to the scapegoat. It's after that that the seven last plagues start to be poured out. Then the the plagues will come upon the wicked, and they do not come till Jesus puts on that garment and takes his place upon the great white cloud. Now then notice this. Then while the plagues are falling, the scapegoat is being led away. And clearly he's being led away by the fit man. He makes a mighty struggle to escape, but he is held fast by the hand that leads him. If he should effect his escape, Israel would lose their lives. I saw that it would take time to lead away the scapegoat into the land of forgetfulness after the sins were put on his head. Now, let's so notice what happens here. Um, the scapegoat is being led away while the seven last plagues are being poured out. And I asked this question earlier, but what is happening to God's people? What is the experience that they are going through during the seven last plagues? Yeah, it's the time of Jacob's trouble. So how does the time of Jacob's trouble correlate with the scapegoat being led away? Because notice, Ellen White mentions here in this quote that while the seven last plagues are being poured out, the scapegoat makes a mighty struggle to escape, but he is held fast by the hand that leads him. So what is the correlation with Satan making a mighty struggle to escape while the plagues are falling and God's people passing through the time of Jacob's trouble? We have a comment down here.
2: investigative uh-huh. judgment, discussing the time in which people's God's people will be going through the time of trouble. Mm-hmm. There's an argument between uh, Satan and uh, the Savior over the sins of God's people,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, it's here where Satan uh, rebukes the devil and says that God rebukes the God rebukes the devil, rebukes the devil. Mm-hmm. and uh, it's here where God's people are. Satan is told that. Their names are engraved on the palms of my hands. Mm -hmm. And this is the mighty struggle. Mm Because he's claiming that we have no right to be Mm -hmm. in the same place that he's been expelled from. And this is the argument.
0: Okay. So, what we see here is that... And if you study um, the Bible, Jeremiah describes this time as men being in labor. That doesn't sound too good. I don't think I want to... I mean, men couldn't, I mean, physiologically, I've heard it say that if men were to go through labor, they would die. I mean, we aren't built to go through that. That's just the reality of it. Um, and yet, Jeremiah describes the time of Jacob's trouble as men in labor pains. Um, so, what is happening here is that this is the time that Satan is allowed to unleash the the severest trials and temptations to the righteous that have ever been experienced. And one biblical example of a type that went through this type of a trial was Job. And Job said, if he slay me, yet will I trust in him. So, and, and Satan said... you've blessed him. If you let me touch him, he'll curse you to to your face. But Job vindicated God's character by passing through that experience and showing that he loved and served God just because he loved God. And likewise, God's righteous 144,000, during the time of Jacob's trouble, there will be no mediator. There will be no second chance. And Satan's last argument in the great controversy is, there's no way that a fallen human being who has sinned will be able to go through a period of time in which I am allowed to have full power of temptation to get God's people to sin. There's no way they're going to pass through that period of time. And God is saying, actually, yes, yes. They will, through my power. And so, this is the struggle of the fit man leading the scapegoat into the land of forgetfulness. Now, why do you think God hasn't allowed us to lead Satan into the land of forgetfulness yet? Well, the answer is clear, because we're not fit yet. I mean, we're still... Falling at, at fairly easy temptations, because we haven't learned to trust in God completely. I'm speaking to myself, by the way. And we need to reach a level of maturity by the grace of God, trusting in Him, having the experience of Hebrews 12:1 through4, looking unto Jesus, resisting sin unto blood, running the race that He set before us, so that when we go through the time of Jacob's trouble, God knows that we'll be able to pass the test. And so that's going to take a level of spiritual maturity that has rarely been seen. Perhaps it's, you could say Elijah, Moses, Job, and yet they, they had their points in life where they um, fell short of God's glory, but God was able to bring them back. But there will be a time when there will be a group of people described as having the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, who have such an experience with God that when they pass through the time of Jacob's trouble, they will be truly spiritually fit, men and women, that will be able to withstand every fiery trial and temptation that the devil throws at them. And they have the experience of Revelation twelve eleven that they were faithful unto death. They loved not their lives unto death. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And so... While the seven last plagues are being poured out, God's people pass through the time of Jacob's trouble. And it's interesting to note that the temple of God is filled with the glory of the Lord during that time because that will be the clearest demonstration in 6,000 years of the character of God. Here you will have people from the weakest wickedest or most wicked generation that has ever lived, demonstrating the full power, the glory of God's character during the most trying circumstance that has ever existed. And when it's all said and done and the last plague has been poured out and Satan has been led out into the land of forgetfulness, everyone will know that God was right and Satan was wrong. Because Satan's argument was look, I was in a perfect environment, and God's law wasn't fair. And God will say, wait a minute. These people came from the worst environment there ever was, and they showed that it's possible to live like you're in heaven, even in the most wicked conditions here on earth. And so case closed in a great controversy. And so that's our mission as Seventh-day Adventists. It's not to compete with the other churches in the world or to try their church growth methods or anything else. Our mission is to finish the great controversy and to be like Jesus. We have the clearest picture of what the purpose of the great controversy is all about. That's our mission. That's our message. And as you remember, the three angels' messages, those are the three messages that prepare the 144,000 for the harvest. And so, We need to get past the first angel's message to the second Babylon has fallen. We need to get to the third message and point out what the mark of the beast is. And it may not be politically correct in some circles, but we can still do it with the love of Christ. And the way we contend for the faith of God's Word is to preach the Word. We don't fight with the spirit of the devil, but we preach the Word. And that will be the power that will prepare God's people to be sealed with the seal of God so that Jesus can come out of the most holy place, finish his work as the great high priest, put the sins of God's people on the head of, under the head of the scapegoat, and then we will go through Jacob's time of trouble. Now, here's one interesting point. <clears throat> Notice in this statement, Ellen White says, if the scapegoat should affect his escape, Israel would lose their lives. So just remember that after the close of probation, there's no more mediation. And so there's a lot at stake in the seven last plagues being poured out and passing through the time of Jacob's trouble. And remember, God is going to win. His people will pass through. He knows his people will make it, but he is not going to allow us to get to that point until we're ready for it. And of course, theoretically, if we reached that point and we went through it and then we failed, Satan would win the great controversy. And God's too powerful. He's not going to let Satan win the great controversy. So we're going to be here on this earth until God has a people who are ready to pass through that time. So we still have a couple of minutes here. So what we have here, we see then in chapter 15, we see the concept of the seven last plagues are going to be poured out. But they will not be poured out until the 144,000 are ready to pass through that experience. And when they are, then Jesus will come out and the temple of God will be filled with smoke from the glory of the Lord. So that is the time that we are looking forward to as God's people. Now, we can go ahead and and get into chapter 16. We just have a few minutes. Um, Okay, there's a comment down here.
2: It might help to uh, mention the fact that the continuity of uh, Revelation 14, uh, 6 through the end of chapter 15, uh, there's no break in that continuity. Mm -hmm. It's living history from the point in which the judgment hour begins in 1840 uh, through the, this year's 2008.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it gives you a little bit of uh, uh, a better understanding of uh, where we're at in the great controversy. And the wrath of God mentioned in uh, chapter 15 is directly proportional to the wrath of God listed in uh, Revelation 14 verse 10 mm-hmm. based upon uh, the third angel's message. And so mm-hmm. this is a judgment hour message Mm-hmm. based upon uh, the, uh, the relevancy of the outpouring of the seven last plagues.
0: Right, and that, that's a very good point. And maybe, well, I, I guess it's probably best not to go into chapter 16 just because we're going to get into a different thought here. But So um, I, I appreciated some of those comments there. So what you have here, and we talked about this last week, so you have the three angels' messages. The first angel, of course, talking about the judgment hour message. And what is so critical about this judgment hour message What's so critical about coming out of Babylon? What's so critical about not receiving the mark of the beast? Well, for one, if you you don't come out of Babylon and if you receive the mark of the beast, you will receive the outpouring of the seven last plagues. And there's no wiggle room for that. And since 1844, we've been living in a time when the judgment could wrap up at any moment. And we could enter into that time of the loud cry and then the close of probation and Jacob's time of trouble. And so the three angels' messages are designed to be the last messages of mercy. And remember that they are messages of mercy. These are messages from God of mercy that will help people to not receive the wrath of God. And As you remember, Revelation 18.1 lightens the earth with the glory of God. So there's no excuse for anyone not to receive this message. And so God does everything He can to save as many people as He can at the end of time. There will be no excuse. The earth will be lightened with the glory of God of the three angels' messages, and we will have an opportunity to decide one way or the other. So let's be that generation that lives to see the seven last plagues, and pass through that time through the grace of God. Thank you, everyone.